0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the Empress of Everything Green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you.
1: Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in this is weekend gardening and it is in fact one of the few gardening shows across the country that gets to be on 12 months of the year, including December. That's because we garden all the time. And I welcome you in today. If this is your first time finding us, you will probably want to know that my name is Nellie Neal. I am known as the Garden Mama, and I have a whole bunch of experience and education in horticulture and in gardening and, frankly, in talking to people. So I'm happy to be here with you. Thank you so very, very much. Um, I've just gotten a note on the ceasefire text line, from the one and only Ken, who's out spreading the word today about us. Thank you very much for that, and uh, really amazingly unseasonable, as Greg in Nettleton says. Um, he he says that uh, the geese are heading back north. It's too warm. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an interesting observation. Thank you very much, sir. I cannot verify that. Um, I can verify, though, that um, the Red Hawk in my neighborhood has been setting up quite a, a few... Chattering trees Full of birds Recently So I think There's a lot Going on That perhaps I'm not watching That's a good thing The good news Also is that I have to bring You today Next Saturday I will be Live And as they say In color At the Mississippi Farmers Market On High Street In Jackson To do this program Very very exciting First one Since all of the Shall we say Quietude Of the pandemic um, When we didn't Go out so much And we still Don't go out so much But I'm very happy Happy to be able to go to the farmers market. It's one of those places that I do go and always have gone. It is. Um, I hope you do the same in your area. If you don't happen to be here, but if you happen to be here in the Central Mississippi area, make your plans now to join me at the High Street Farmers Market, Mississippi Farmers Market on High Street in Jackson next Saturday for weekend gardening. We're going to have some fun. Um, It's going to really be a good time. I know that there are a lot of folks who have just acquired poinsettias for the holiday season. I know this because I walked through the atrium here today, and as usual, it's one of the most beautiful sights that I ever get to see. I love the poinsettia growers, I love the poinsettias, and I love that that people purchase them and put them out for big displays like these. It's one of the flowers that we don't think about except at this time of the year. So for those of you who are waiting for me to display a photo of my poinsettia that has been named Paul now for three years, um, no, Paul still—I did not. Paul is three feet tall or more now, and I can't move him in and out to the dark closet. So. I'm still waiting for him to get fully red but the reddening has begun and that's very exciting that naturally happens as day length shortens and it naturally happens in quite frankly december and january where the plants are native in mexico so that's something i'm looking forward to we we kind of we push them along as we say we coax them to come into flower at this particular time for everybody to enjoy i don't care if they're pink if they're red if they're striped there's some that are marbled there's there's one there was one for a long time called jingle bells that was red and pink i just thought it was beautiful i've seen some with glitter you know, added. I mean, they're just all kind of crazy poinsettias out there, and I've I've never met one that I didn't want to try to take home. Even even the tree types that I think are just beautiful, um, they're they're landmark plants. And what anywhere you live, they can be a delightful houseplant. If you happen to be in our coastal counties, oftentimes they can survive outdoors and get to be quite tall. <laughs> That's kind of fun. <laughs> That's kind of fun. Oh, cute. That's really cute. Um, thank you. Amanda in Pike County is sending us her Santa and the illuminated Santa. The the I don't know that these are made anymore. I think everything now is blown up stuff. But for those of you who have the vintage hard shell plastic, um, ornamental Santas and, and nativities and whatnot. I'm still looking for the camels, so if you come across any, let me know. I think that's delightful. What a wonderful thing. And I really like her seated Santa that is has um, clearly got on my blue jeans. Um, very good looking. Very, very handy hat, too. I like that. Very cute. I'm going to guess that the, the, the beard is either really strong yarn or probably part of a mop. It looks great really terrific. Um, Ken says, uh, oh, Ken, I don't know, but somebody will tell me. Is it true? He says it does. Geese, uh, Geese and ducks fly. The V on one side is always longer, and he says he learned about it in Boy Scouts. I didn't learn about it in Boy Scouts. So there you have it. If you're still interested in sowing your own seeds of things. Um, it's time for larkspur, for example. It's also time still for cornflowers and I think a few other things because the the winter is so mild, it's so up and down. You know, there's still several weeks it looks like of some good growing conditions and and finally some rain. We've actually had some counties in Mississippi that have been in drought and, and I'm hopeful that this week is going to change some of that. That can be a real problem for all of us. Um, He says that there's more birds on the long side, that would be true. But it also has to do, I think, with the number of birds in the chevron, you know, that shape. Sometimes they're very even, and not that I count birds, I can't see that far, but I I do recognize the length of their, the sides of their formation. Pretty cool stuff. Which reminds me, very cool stuff. December seventh, this coming week, um, the classes are beginning on Zoom again for the Mississippi Flower Growers, and I look forward to participating in that. I hope you will join us. Get in touch, D. Yowell at AOL dot com. You all know Donna Yowell; she's been here a lot, and she'll sign you up. Or you can send me a note, Mama on Air at Yahoo dot com, and I will also get that info to her. We're go- we've got some good programs planned. Uh, the first week, this first session, we're going to start doing some things differently for the new year of classes. We have a few added features. So even if you've been with us before, there's always more to learn. There's always more to learn. I think this is going to be the time, if my garden is any indication, the the leaves are slow to fall. We've got some that fall and some that fall later and some that fall later and some that fall again. It's usually just the red oak that does that. But this year I seem to be having a real, because of the changing, warms up, you know, so the leaves don't continue to fall and then it cools off again and they do or it rains and they do. And I do think that this makes it easier in the year like this to really get a good compost pile going. You're not facing a mountain of leaves the size of your house. You're, you're having less at a time to deal with. So if you can do those three cubic foot, you know, three on a side, three on a side piles, that's going to go really quickly and give you some beautiful compost by next, by late next spring anyway. Um, that's, that's not not out, of the, not out of the realm of possibilities at all. I don't keep up all the time with whose birthday it is, but there's some interesting birthdays today. We'll get around to that in a little bit. I saw a the Stanford University. Somebody has to think of it, okay? Remember this. Somebody always has to think of something before it can be invented. Um, yes, I'm, w- whenever we talk about robots, I'm going to have to tell you that I'm still looking for Rosie the Robot from the Jetsons that will come and iron my clothes, okay? I'm. I'm serious. I, it's been so long since i ironed something and i should not admit this i couldn't find my iron this week i was going to iron something couldn't find the iron didn't feel bad about it but if i had rosie i probably would like it however peregrine falcon feet and legs have inspired a robot that can perch now you know we're we're always looking for the thing the next thing that we can get a robot to be able to do um Boston Dynamics, dancing robots, all of those things that we've enjoyed so much are so, are really, really fun. But no two branches are exactly alike, so teaching a robot how to perch on different actual things in nature as opposed to just a rod that you build in the lab is very tricky. Um, the same motion that you teach it to make around that rod. It's going to fall off you know, of some many branches, or it won't be able to perch at all because the thing is too big. So this was a really interesting um, interesting thing. It's not easy to mimic, they said, how birds fly and perch. Well, we can understand that, but catching our robots up to, to nature's developments is not easy either. And I, I really, I, I honestly didn't, I'm sure I knew this word existed somewhere, but I had never thought about the word parrot parrotlets parrotlets they're they're the littlest parrots you know like majorettes or the smaller you know drum majors that kind of thing in in, in rank not in size but in rank anyway i really think this is funny um what they did was to put these things cuz they're tiny they can put them into a space and, and watch them easier. You couldn't put big gray ones, you know, and you'd have to have a whole room to do the photography. But they put five cameras on them to figure out how they go to these different size and shaped branches, and let them figure out how those feet work. So it's pretty interesting. Um, this is the 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 whole business of learning how to perch is something it has taken millions of years for these beautiful birds to figure out. Probably going to take millions of dollars for us to replicate. I don't know. They abused it to compare different um, toe arrangements of birds and to measure microclimates. I just love this stuff. When attached to a drone, this snag of stereotyped nature-inspired aerial grasper... Finally, an acronym that spells something forms the robot that can fly around and catch and carry objects and perch in various places. This is a big change. I don't see it making a big difference in um, you know, Amazon delivery or anything, but I do see that it could be a big change in how we, uh, how we attach ourselves to robots for other tasks, things that we can't reach, for example, that they would have to land on, perch on to get to. Pretty interesting stuff. There's always something going on. There is always something going on. For example, in this week's, uh, I, sometimes it's like everything old is new again. In this week's research that crossed my desk, I, I'm a reader. I can't help it. And it, it's not something I'd ever want to stop doing. I'm not a whole terrific grammarian, but i I I do catch grammar errors more often than I would like. I would like to be able to ignore them, but I can't. English majors, you know, are terrible. But that being said, when I see something and it reminds me of something that I've already seen, done, been with, had, or whatever, I have to go back and research it. I can't help it because I know I read about it somewhere else or I've actually used it. And in this case, herbicide capsules. Is a hot thing suddenly? University of Queensland is looking at what they would call an innovative, an innovative herbicide delivery system. Well, um, yes, it would. It's always a good idea to be able to put a weed killer right where you want it. The problem that we have with weed killers that are broad, broad spectrum, and also expanded in their use so many places is that things get killed that we don't want to kill. So I, I really love this. Um, however, i got to tell you, we've been here before. One of the first things, first applicators that I ever remember being given to test a product, a glyphosate product, was a tube. And you dropped a pellet in it and put in water, and it came out the bottom in a little tiny squirt. It was really handy. Clearly it didn't work well when <laughs> they would have still be around but the folks in queensland are figuring out this one's going to be tractor delivered and so forth and so on but i really like that that putting that dissolvable capsule in and then the water is applied so it literally is a a, approach to control that weed right there and just that weed this could make a big difference in the way we look at things and I'm, i'm hopeful that it will the um I also like that we're putting the plant to work. For example, one of the big, one of the plants they have big problems with in that part of the world are mimosas. We have problems with them, but they have real problems with them. And I love that the herbicide works on the plant sap. In other words, that's what activates it. So the plant is essentially, shall we say, taking in a dose of something it doesn't really want, and I like that. That means that you can take this Many, many places you don't have to have tanks of water, for example, to mix it up with. So that's some of the advantages of stemming the tide, as they say, of invasive weeds. And there, there's plenty of invasive weeds. We need to do something about all of them. 888 is the Supertalk call line. I know that there's some problems out there. We're getting a few notes about uh, things being working or not working. So pick up the phone and call. We can chat, and uh, we'll enjoy ourselves. The c text line, of course, continues. 601-879-4395. Um, this is a, a big day in the, uh, in, in the text world. The... Um, Interestingly enough, I, I, I'm not going to try to do that, Ken. I have to tell you, I'm not going to try to do that. But, yes, I did lose my iron. <laughs> it's somewhere in my house. I buried it. <laughs> don't like to do that. Anyway, I shouldn't say that. When I'm in the middle of ironing, I don't mind doing it. But it's just something that putting it on my schedule, it's not ever going to get to the top of the list. Just, that's the way that works. I don't know about you, but I would love if my neighbor would plant some more hedge between us. The hedge is a visible, a visual barrier, or baffle kind of thing. But there's some more space back there. I would, however, prefer it if he had done it in the way that I like, and that is two evergreens to one flowering shrub. That way it's not only a more interesting look, but it doesn't, Stop the wind and you know get. If one thing gets pretty at one time of the year, something else can be pretty at another time of the year. I really like, for example, beautyberry in the midst of the Ely Agnes, and the the Ely Agnes is going to be more aggressive. But you can put a couple of beautyberries and then one Ely Agnes on either side of that, and you'll end up with a big show that's beautiful all year long. I, I There's a lot of other things. Um, if you don't have room for that, the Dwarf beautyberries are only about five feet tall. You might be doing that with something like smaller azaleas and and things that that can take that sort of morning sun but nothing else. Judy is on the text line this morning with uh, three hydrangeas planted the first week of May. Looked at them real well. I'm going to see, oh yeah, these can definitely be saved. I'll help you with that when we get back in here in a moment or two. It's it's funny how sometimes transplant shock doesn't really happen until later, and the way hydrangeas grow, fall can be kind of unattractive. Let's face it, we've seen a few limelights around that weren't the prettiest things we wanted to look at. But I'm gonna help Judy figure out what to do with hers, and also what that weed is up around the base of it. Hmm. A few things to talk about today. Stick around, this is Weekend Gardening.
5: The new degree of comfort.
6: Ba. Yeah, Na- Babuwe. Zimbabwe.
0: The broken Bunsen burner burns so bright. South. Jamie. Southeast Asian Peninsula.
7: Hey, hey, Jamie. Yes. I think the only line we need from you today is drivers who switch to progressive could say big. Cool. I just got to finish my
8: warm-ups. Foul, foul, throw in the towel. History, history. Switch to progressive today. Santa ski, slalom in a salmon skin suit.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates.
8: At Ulta Beauty,
7: we know getting ready for the holidays is what makes the holidays the holidays. That shimmering anticipation in the air, lighting the room with sense of the season, setting the perfect table. But now it's time for you to get ready with the red lip that says it's so good to see you and that gold shadow that makes you sparkle. So let's get ready to celebrate more because it's moments like these that truly make up the holiday season. Ulta Beauty, the possibilities are beautiful.
0: Tell mama and all the folks back home. Sometimes a man just feels he's got to
2: make it along. Tell mama why I'm leaving so soon. Because this life I lead has got me tricked through and
1: through. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. I'm looking at Judy's hydrangeas, and I have a couple of ideas um, that I hope you will put into play. The first is get all that stuff that's growing up underneath it out of there and make a ring around it with mulch, all three of them. If they're close enough together that you expect their leaves to touch one another in a couple of years, you should actually mulch that hole as a section rather than individual shrubs. It'll be better for their roots to not have so much competition for water and nutrients. So that's the first thing easy to do in the winter. So that's the the time to get that settled. Um, the next thing is that these leaves are going to fall off because it's a deciduous shrub. And do rake them out from under there. I don't see any large amount of leaf spot. I think it's just leaf burn and whatnot. And then when the, sh- the thing leafs out in the springtime, which it will do, it's obviously it's got swollen buds. So it's very much alive when it leaves out. Then there will be some blooms, I expect, because this the plant looks very healthy other than this kind of mess that's that's in the middle of it you'll when the after the flower's finished, then you will be able to prune it, and that's a good time in fact to shape it would be next late next spring. but right now, the thing to do for these hydrangeas and really for any shrubs that you've got if they if they're out there particularly if they were planted in the last couple of years and they don't have a bed that they're in, get all the grass and weeds and things out from around them and make yourself a circle of mulch at the base of that. It makes it easier to apply fertilizer, makes it easier to apply water if you have to, and it certainly makes it less competition on the shrub from those plants that are attempting to grow up it. You know They're trying to get up in there and take over. We don't want that. Um, is there a rhubarb for Zone 8? No. There is not, and I don't say that without knowing several people who've tried to grow it, so go ahead and let me know when you succeed, because there will always be somebody that can make a microclimate or has a microclimate, can find one. Um, then then there's really good news about that, okay? You can take care of that part of it. Um, one of the questions that I have at this time of the year is, How much can we pull up? In other words, you've got elephant ears that are dying back. You've got maybe some gingers that are starting to turn yellow. What what should we be doing? I have to tell you that the plant, invariably, but especially if it grows from a bulb or a tuber or some other underground storage like that, would much prefer you to let at least some of the leaves die down. But, you know, there's people coming over and there's compost to be made. So when that big leaf on that elephant ear gets yellow, it's not going to get unyellow this winter, okay? I'm going to go ahead and cut it off and have been doing so. It keeps everything looking a little bit neater. It doesn't speed or slow down the rest of them getting their age on them, but it certainly makes my feelings better and it and it will yours too. I I had uh, a letter from someone a couple of years ago that said that he had planted ryegrass on the front lawn because his relatives were coming in December this was he had done this back in November and the, and it all came up really well but then the the winter weeds on the on the grass started coming up too and so he ended up with Lots of little weeds and, you know, th- things that you would expect for the, in the wintertime. They happened a little sooner, and the ryegrass happened a little later. So he said it was very colorful that the relatives were impressed, but he didn't want to see that again. So he wasn't going to plant any more ryegrass. If you have an area that you've just built a house or just added on or something, and you've got an area that's bare, that's really not a good time at this moment, to start putting outside, particularly in zone seven and eight, um but you should go ahead and think about ryegrass to hold that soil in place as we move into what may turn out to be a wet winter. We don't know it's you know we we hope for some water, but we may we may not want it to be as wet as it gets so the the ryegrass will help the soil stay in place, help it not erode away on you, and at the same time it will push its roots into the soil to help break it up so that when you do plant turf next spring, you'll have better place for it to grow. So both of those things can work together. If you've got vegetable rows that are not going to be, you've got a a nice garden you're not going to plant until springtime, consider a cover crop there, too. You may not want ryegrass, but you can certainly consider alfalfa or something in in that regard, Um, even some clovers to help that area Then you till everything in, and you end up, of course, with a richer bed to plant in next spring. This is also the time of year that we talk about the bones of the garden. The, um, the, the, The bones are what's left after all the leaves fall off. Okay, so they're the permanent structures. That's a very, my landscape architect friends are saying that was just too basic. But okay, it is. But at the same time, the path, the bench, the tree without leaves, the fence that has you know the the morning glories have died off of, and it 's a chain link fence, all of those things, even a wooden fence is still part of your hardscape, and those are the things that you need to look at at this time of the year. You may decide you need to paint the trellises, you may decide that you need a bench here rather than there, you know this is the time to do all of that because you can actually see what 's there without the leafy green canopy in many places and that gives you a clearer look. It's also the time and it's why there is an orangeola Japanese Maple in my courtyard. I got tired of there not being enough to look at out my windows up close to the house. So that's where containers of Dwarf Sasanquas come in. That's where the Dwarf Japanese Maple, any of the the shrubs that are evergreen or that like the orangeola colors up so beautifully and then eventually has this lovely structure in it in its branches that I like to watch too. I did notice that I'm going to need a, a crane or something, maybe a jack. It's it's starting to get bigger and longer than its container, and I don't really want to prune it because it's so pretty. So I've, I've got to figure out what to do about that this winter. But I wouldn't know that until everything else was out from around it. So those are the kind of things that you might see now that you wouldn't necessarily see the rest of the year. Oh, he's looking for a rhubarb pie. Well, I'm so sorry. The, the other thing about it is, what does rhubarb actually taste like? Okay, I've never had it except cooked in a strawberry mix with for rhubarb pie. It was delicious. But all of that poetry and music and stuff, bebop or rhubarb pie and all those things, I, it doesn't mean anything to me because I don't know enough about rhubarb. So maybe maybe somebody here can tell me. I'll tell you what else we don't grow here, but somebody undoubtedly does. And I have seen pictures. I've seen pictures. Lilacs. Um, we We don't have very many of those until you get, I would say, north of Winona, all right, in our state. And even then it's not they're not as many as they as many people would like. Um, and we just we just there are things that just don't do as well. We have a couple of sorta of shrubby ones, but the lilac trees themselves are that's part of why they end up calling crepe myrtles lilacs of the South, even though I think they're they're nowhere near as fragrant, but they're absolutely a better bloomer. <laughs> so well, so far in 2021, we have uh, more than 100,000 monarch butterflies in the migration. This is good news. It is a rebound because we've had so many bad years in the monarch population recently. Last year, for example, barely 2,000. And uh, now we're, we're we're talking about 100,000 in the same area. The Xerxes Society for Invertebrate Conservation, in case you don't know about them, are the folks that, that keep this study in addition to Monarch Watch and a couple of other things, but they're one of the ones that's been doing it for a long time. In uh, the, the concerns, of course, are not only about us planting enough food for the monarchs to eat, but also what happens to their habitat in um, in, in Mexico and what happens along the way in our space, you know, the migration area where they travel. Let's see. Carol from Laurel is on the phone this morning. Let's welcome Carol in. Hello, Carol. What's on your mind today? Welcome to Weekend Gardening.
7: Well, thank you, ma'am. Sure. My Easter lilies are starting to pop up. Ah. I
1: want to know
7: if if I need to fertilize them and what to use if, if I do.
1: You know, it's so funny. I've got things coming up that I wouldn't have expected for another month or six weeks, and I wouldn't have expected... Easter lilies in laurel at this early date but if they look good I'm going to just leave them alone obviously they're well-established plants but if you do decide to fertilize them you can use the same fertilizer that you would use on other bulbs one of those that little bag of bulb food that you see at the garden center or you can use anything that's not going to be too intense in other words I wouldn't start mixing up Twenty 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 in a solution and pouring it on there every week. I, w- I would not do that, but a, a little bit of flower garden food, vegetable garden food, something like a five ten five that you put around the base of them. That's fine. You can do that if you want to. Okay. If they look good, though, I wouldn't do anything because they're they're happy and they're on their own. You know, they've they're they're established there. There's nothing to me prettier than Easter lilies when they bloom at in their own way. And if we overfeed them, sometimes we end up with those stalks that are too tall and they fall over. So that's another reason not to over-fertilize. Okay.
7: If the deer leave them alone. Well, now
1: that's another one, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. They're they're not known to like everything, but I don't know that they don't like Easter lilies. (laughs) Do you grow Asiatic lilies, too? I got
7: some uh, planted in a pot. Cause I have what they call voles, and they eat oh, yeah come one year, and they never come back. Yeah, the they voles lose one year, and they they just gone. Yeah,
1: the voles are are tough. They really are. Um, it, I I do love the Asiatic lilies though, and the deer are not as fond of them. So,
7: well, I got some in the pot. <laughs> good, That's good, protective. good.
1: I hope the lilies. I hope the Easter lilies make it. Thanks for calling, Carol. It's good to hear from you today. Appreciate that very, very much. It's so funny that the preferences of animals and what eats what. Now, for those of you who don't know, voles with a V, V as in victory, V-O-L-E-S. Voles are tiny rodents. They're a couple of inches long, and their tail is just about as long as that. Um, They are under the mulch. If, for example, you planted hostas, and the hostas all died, the chances are really good you had voles, simply because that it's one of their favorites to chew. They chew things apart under the ground, so that it they're, they they run under the mulch. They're just they can be very devastating to a flower bed, and that's why container gardening is so appealing to a lot of people. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really know exactly what we can do as butterfly lovers except continue to plant pollinator plants and continue to plant, in the case of monarchs, plant the Asclepias. It's all a really good idea, but that's. I think that the fact that we're back up and the our numbers are back up is very exciting. Very exciting. Not, not high enough yet, but very exciting. Anna's in Oxford. Welcome in, Anna. Let's talk rhubarb pie. Uh,
7: well, no, in, in England we just have stewed rhubarb, and uh, I guess you use a lot of... Um, sugar. <laughs> well, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but but I did come across something very strange, which I'd never heard of before. And that was when my mother was in the hospital. We went down to the cafeteria, and they had rhubarb yogurt.
1: Oh, my goodness.
7: Yeah. Now, that, that was <laughs> something I'd never heard of. Yogurt became fashionable, as you know. Um, and suddenly, finding rhubarb yogurt. Well... Uh, It was actually very good. It was also very sweet. Uh, But I have tried growing rhubarb here. Now, it grows in Chicago beautifully.
1: Yes, yes.
7: (laughs) But here, um, you get it maybe one season or two seasons, and then it's gone. But, of course, I'm a little bit further north than you are.
1: Yes. Oxford is just, it's right there. I I would have said north of Oxford is a good place for rhubarb, but I just went a little further north (laughs) in my mind, (laughs) because (laughs) we really need that consistent chill and that—that's we all we talk about. You know, Chicago being snowed in for months on end. But one of the benefits and beauties of that kind of seasonal weather is that there are things that thrive with that rest period, and rhubarb is certainly one of them.
7: And and uh, peonies is another.
1: Peonies is another. We have, we have we have a few peonies we can grow here, but not as many. I I, I had the pleasure of. Of actually touring a peony farm, and I, I just about wanted to cry. <laughs> it was in Southern Illinois, and it was beautiful.
7: Yeah, uh, it, we do have a lot of good things, but on oh, the yeah. other hand, you know, it's green most of the year here.
1: Well, we've always we always want what we don't have, and that's how come in the UK and and many parts of Europe. Goldenrod is a container plant, and people just love it, you know, (laughs) and it's very fancy. (laughs) We don't have that problem here. We have enough. I have a piece of goldenrod growing in my front garden that I just left this year, and it's literally eight feet tall and still in bloom. (laughs) It's kind of out of place, but sometimes you just have to celebrate that sort of oddity, and in other places that turns out to be the biggest ornamental plant they'll ever have. Oh, yeah, I should have been giving you the onion report. I didn't even think about it. Thanks, Anna. Good to hear from you today. Appreciate it. The onions are doing well, but they need fertilizer. It's been a little bit on the warm side. They're growing a bit too much. I've got to get take care of that. All right? All right. Hey, now, this is Weekend Gardening.
10: If you are building a new home or remodeling an older home, amazing propane is for you. A propane tankless water heater, a propane generator, a propane gas grill and oven, propane fireplaces and even lighting. Propane, such a versatile, clean, cost-effective source of energy for any home. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit mspropane.com. That's mspropane.com to learn more.
0: Make it a November to remember with a new Mazda from Mazda of Jackson. Come in during the Season of Inspiration sales event and get 0.9% financing for 36 months on all remaining 2021 Mazdas in stock. That's right, 0.9% financing. This will save you thousands in finance charges. We're also giving you an additional $750 in customer cash on new Mazda CX-9s and get your first year's maintenance on us. Plus, you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty from Mazda of jackson our incredible credit team works hard to get you approved 100 credit approval is always our number one goal bring in your current vehicle and we'll buy it even if you don't buy a new one from us don't overpay for your next vehicle get the monster of jackson today during the season of inspiration sales events going on now at monster jackson where nobody walks away because everybody saves i-55 frontage road north in jackson call 991-2222 today monster jackson.com see dealer for details with Brew credit on select models
8: I'm Andy Gibson, your Commissioner of Agriculture. This holiday season, support local farmers by shopping the Mississippi Farmers Market for all your holiday meal needs. Fresh produce, meat, milk and cheese, eggs, honey, bread, even flowers for the table. And shop the genuine Mississippi store for the best of everything grown, raised, crafted and made right here in Mississippi. From food items to jewelry, leather goods, we have your Christmas list covered. The Mississippi Farmers Market, 929 High Street, opens Saturdays 8 to 1.
12: Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could I, I have, have EPI? EPI?
5: Sponsored by AbV.
4: Family Termite is a proud VIP sponsor of the Handyman Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Mississippi's Handyman Buddy Slowick has the answers to your home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon.
1: going today i hope that it will be a safe trip a good one and that you will reach your destination as happily as possible it's one of those things just like you know you might have a flat tire but try and keep your head screwed on straight and you'll be all right (laughs) somebody was talking about the hazards of travel um it's hard to remember some of them we don't travel as much as we might have at one time recently but there's an awful lot um, to be said for knowing about the places that you're going and knowing the folks that you're going to visit, and at the same time, there's something to be said for striking out, you never know what you're going to find out. I can remember studying as a kid um, the, the St. Lawrence Seaway and the Erie Canal and all of these things that that I had never seen and it was interesting to me. I always wanted to see the Gulf of St. Lawrence, but now we're seeing it in an entirely different way because of our ability to use drones and also, frankly, our ability to put those cute little tags on critters so we can keep up with it. The right whale, the name is right, right whale, is one of those things that are not in good numbers in our, our world these days. Between 2015 and 2019, though, these folks from the NOAA Northeast Fisheries Science Center has been have studied their activities there around the Gulf of St. Lawrence, which is one of those places that I've just always thought would be beautiful to visit. Maybe I'll get a chance to do that. They, it is really an important habitat, more so than we thought, for the right whale. For example, within this time frame, they've identified almost 200 of the individuals and that 's actually about forty percent of the population because there aren 't that many of them um, they They were there in the summer, just like some folks like to go somewhere different every year, other people like to go to the same cabin you know and 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 visit these folks go to the same cabin <laughs> there 's a return that they 've not seen before and didn't understand, so that really does help in terms of the work of conserving and preserving the population in, in publishing in Endangered Species Research, um, the, the the folks are these are mammal researchers at, at, at Woods Hole and, and the Fishery Center and those places, really trying to understand more about this creature so that we don't lose them. Um, the northern and southern half of this particular gulf are, is separated, and so we have been watching their behavior in the northern and the southern half of this. Some of them go back and forth and some don't. Um, the pregnant females seem to go back and forth, but they're not the only ones that do, and not all of them do, so they've also dropped in hydrophones, and now we're going to get to hear the right whales sing so there's an awful lot of exciting research you know i I tell you all the time that if if your child tells you that they're they want to go work on some woods hole project, you know they want to be a marine biologist or they have another desire in that area like this one, the fisheries, by all means support that because they're going to learn stuff that we all need to know quite frankly, um, really important to to get into it. Let's see now, um, I don't know, send me a picture. I can't guess, I mean I could guess but it wouldn't do any good. Um, compost in the Keyhole Garden, I, I have seen them, they've worked well, I don't see why it wouldn't work in North Mississippi, I've seen them in Tennessee, a couple of places the uh, You know what else I think is also a really good idea are the um, the insect homes that are built in almost the same way as a keyhole garden. They're just open, you know, for the critters to get in rather than trying to make a place for things to live. It goes directly to also our desire to grow more things in smaller spaces and to be able to frankly, control their, the environment of the plants because so much of environmental control is, is kind of being lost. So I, don't, I, I look forward to seeing the progress. I don't see why that wouldn't work. I have been intending to do this, and I didn't do it last week. I really meant to. I want you to know that there's more than just moth orchids out there. Now, if you're going to give somebody a gift, a moth orchid is a wonderful gift, but if they've already got one and you want to get them some other kind of orchid, Today I want to recommend Oncidiums, the dancing lady orchids. Moth orchids are pretty much the easiest ones to grow in the house because they don't need a lot of light, just need a little bright light in a room, and they also don't need a big change in their temperatures. They like a consistently 65, 70 degree environment. Um, Even a little warmer is okay. But in the case of Oncidiums, the, the dancing ladies, they actually need that cooler period at night. So if you have a room in your house that's got a nice bright window, but it, it's not the warmest room in your house, that may be where you want to grow these. They like the warmth in the daytime, but they prefer, they, they're, from, they're n- native to rainforests, so they're accustomed to a cooler temperature at night, and they will do better. Now, light is another issue, of course. We try and, everybody talks about how, don't put your orchids in full sun. That's true. Don't put your orchids in full sun, um, for the most part. For this group, anyway. And, but it's also true that you can put them in too little. So there's, if you if you if you if you're having thickened leaves on a dancing lady, for example, and you can feel that, you know, it's um you, you can you can tell that they've gotten they're growing, but they're growing fat. They're not growing long, and they're not. They're not doing what you want them to do, which is to make more flower buds. The thickened leaves indicate that you actually need more light on that plant, which is kind of counterintuitive. But it's one of those things that you can tell someone when you give it to them or write them a note, and then when they have the issue later on, you will always look smarter than they thought you were. And that that's a very big help when you give gifts to people. What's your favorite gift you ever got? That's something we've never talked about that. Um, we probably should. I I, I I have to say that a headlight for the t- for the tractor was a really good gift one year. <laughs> it wouldn't do me much good now, but it was a really good one. Um, oh, okay. We now we're going to talk about the Erie Canal. Okay, that's true. No, interesting place. Interesting place. There's an awful lot of desire for us at this time of the year. This is my email box fills up every week with questions about whether or not I can dig up this dogwood or whether or not I can dig up this American beautyberry or whether I can dig up this or that fern, you know, and and bring them into the garden. I'm not going to say that this is not – I don't think there's anything that cannot be transplanted in the proper circumstances with the proper care. And it may not be what it says in the books. Okay, so if you're interested in doing that, just – Understand that you don't want to dig into dry soil. You also don't want to dig into muddy soil. And you want to have a place for that plant to go and and be put in that is at least as similar to where it has been as you can provide for it. Um, we don't see very many dogwoods in the sun, full sun. When we do, they're interesting. They're different trees. They generally become one trunk and have really fat branches and flowers all over them. But it's different, and it's it's not the beautiful, sort of lyric shapes that we associate with the dogwoods that we have in half a day of sun or less. It's interesting. Oh, you have one of my favorite plants. Andrea has uh, that. This is the, the, the yes. I would put the begonias in. It will come back. It's not. It's actually, um, it's a little bit different of a begonia. But it's it. If it's wet and cold, you will have a problem with it. So yes, I would put that container inside. And is that creeping Jenny in the side of it? Yeah, probably so. That, of course, will be fine no matter where you put it. And I think there might be a coleus. Yeah, cut that coleus back a little bit when those leaves fall off. It'll probably come back again, too. This is a case for a bright, sunny window and uh, a saucer you can put water in the bottom of. to Keep this one for the winter. Really good looking, thanks for sending me that. I appreciate very much your decision to make weekend gardening part of your life. Thank you for being here today. We're going to be back with more after a few messages, a little news, and a little time. Stick around. It's weekend gardening.
9: sports fans, before traveling to your game day destination this football season, be sure to download the MDOT Traffic app to help you reach the game safely. Reach your destination on time by checking ahead for crashes, closures, and construction with the MDOT Traffic app. The M.Traffic Traffic app is available free for both Apple and Android devices. For more information,
10: follow at Mississippi DOT on Facebook and Twitter.
11: Hey, this is Jimmy Primos at the range in Gluckstadt. I'll never forget when I was a child the excitement I used to feel on Christmas morning when I saw that new rifle or shotgun under the tree. I hope you'll come by and see us and let our friendly staff help you pick out a little excitement for that special person on your list. I have to tell you, though, I got the wrong kind of excitement last week. I took off a few days to go hunting, and while I was gone, my wife and daughter came in and decorated the store for Christmas. Bows and ribbons everywhere. They even dressed up my dadgum black bear mount like Santa Claus. Women, you're listening to
0: WFMN Flora Jackson Super Talk Mississippi, powered by your tree professionals at Barone's Tree Pros, 601-345-8090. I'm
3: Andy Davis and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. On Wednesday, pro-choice and pro-life protesters gathered outside the U.S. Supreme Court as the justices heard oral arguments about Mississippi's abortion law, which bans abortions 15 weeks into a pregnancy. Attorney General Lynn Fitch spoke at the rally and said states must be able to decide individually if abortion should be allowed.
5: This is a wonderful opportunity to return this to the people, to us, all of us, the people.
3: The Constitution gives us the right. We are ready and willing and able to do the job. Fitch said overturning Roe v. Wade is about protecting mothers and unborn children. Supporters of Roe v. Wade argue Mississippi's law restricts a woman's constitutional right to have access to an abortion. A decision is not expected until around mid-June. For Talk Mississippi News, I'm Andy Davis. Why join Mississippi Farm
10: Bureau Federation if I'm not a farmer? Let's start with the valuable discounts on vehicles,
11: travel, farm equipment, and much more. All of which would cover the cost of your membership. Throw in the insurance products, smarter banking and agricultural advocacy, and the choice is clear. When Mississippi farmers thrive, we all thrive. You can bet the farm on it. To learn
4: more about the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation, visit us online at msfb.org.
3: Lawmakers will take up medical marijuana in the upcoming session, something Representative Noah Sanford says he gets asked about frequently.
11: At this point, I can't really tell him much because yeah. this, you know, it's all been in negotiations mainly
3: between the chairman and now the governor's office. It's not something that most of us have been privy to. Governor Tate Reeves has refused to call a special session on the issue, saying he believes, as written, the plan leans more toward recreational than medical marijuana. And state casinos continue to break records. Mississippi gaming director. Larry Gregory said statewide, Mississippi is at about $2.2 billion. The tunica market has brought in about $650 million so far, and they want to add more development to that area. We would love to have, and I mean, I've not been in negotiations with mm-hmm. anyone, but I mean, some non-gaming aspects, some yeah. economic development, say like a racetrack. He says the type of track that would work is not one where you would watch other drivers, but one where you can run your own car. I'm Andy Davis. Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. The
11: first Saturday of December is Championship Saturday, and it will be the SWAC Championship game in the capital city, the Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium. Kickoff is set for 3 o'clock between Jackson State and Prairie View A&M. The Jackson State Tigers won the SWAC West Division, while Prairie View won the SWAC East Division overall Corn. The Jackson State Tigers come in at ten and one. Their only loss to Louisiana Monroe back in September twelve to seven. They finished eight and zero in the SWAC Conference play, and they are riding an eight game winning streak. Prairie View comes in at seven and four, six and two in the conference, and they have lost three in a row. They lost to Alcorn State back in November thirteenth, lost to A and and then lost to Mississippi Valley in the final regular season game. The SWAC Championship game is today at three o'clock. Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium. This is Super Talk Sports, Mississippi.
10: Do you ever feel like you're in the dark? Well, with a propane generator, you'll never be in the dark again, at least when the lights go out. Enjoy the comfort and safety of knowing you have a propane generator always ready when the electricity goes out. Propane generators are sure you will always have power. Propane fueled, clean cooking, hot water on demand, warm and consistent heat, and power when you need it most. Why would you choose anything else? Energy for everyone, propane. Visit MSPropane.com. That's MSPropane.com today. Prevention providers such as insurance
6: agents and doctors are necessary, but they're not free. Another is 811. By calling 811 before you dig, pull a stump, or erect a mailbox, you could be preventing a call to 911. This service is free, and free is a beautiful thing. Hello, I'm
8: Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries.
11: Today and tomorrow, the first ever National Junior College Athletic Association Division One football playoffs will get underway. Number one ranked Iowa Western will host number four snow in one playoff game. That'll get underway at 2.30 this afternoon. And then on Sunday, number two New Mexico Military will host the number three ranked Northwest Rangers. That'll be in the Wool Bowl in Roswell, New Mexico on Sunday. And they'll kick that one off at three o'clock Mississippi time. The Winners of the two ball games today and tomorrow will meet in the Division One football championship game that will be in Little Rock, Arkansas on Friday, December the 17th with a 7 o'clock kickoff on that. And the Heinz Eagles will be involved in the Salt City Bowl. That will be today against Hutchinson Community College Blue Dragons on the campus of Hutchinson College in Hutchinson, Kansas. And that will be a 1 o'clock kickoff today. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi.
0: Weekend Gardening with your host, the Empress of Everything Green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you.
1: Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Thank you so very, very much for being here. And here, of course, today is the studio. But next Saturday, here will be the Mississippi Farmers Market on High Street in Jackson. Come down and see me, if you've not been, you're not gonna. You you've missed something, believe me. It's wonderful farmers, beautiful plants, beautiful flowers, vegetables to eat, all kind of other stuff because it's the holidays. Come on, now we're gonna have a good time. You'll be glad you did. Um, Trey has sent an image on the C-SPAR text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. I'm thinking that this must be the. Uh, Latest picture of the greens field, because the dog is having a good time. Looks like out there eating the greens as well. That looks like fun. Obie's helping him pick. That's gorgeous. That really, that could be, literally, could be your Christmas card. That's just cute as it can be. <laughs> something, about, something about dogs and cats, you know. We don't look that great, but our dogs and cats always look terrific. This is something I wanted to talk to you about and, and I did mention it in this week's edition of the All Things Garden Mama Weekly. If you want to subscribe, get in touch mama on air at yahoo.com. Thank you very much that you out for all of you who have done that. Um, we talk about we all know that here in Mississippi the the great work that has been done in heart Work in in our taking our taking care of our hearts, replacing our hearts, doing all the things that we need to do to take care and to have healthy hearts for years and years. One of the things that everybody has looked for is a synthetic tissue to help with those sorts of repairs. It's the same kind of thing that they look for when they want to repair vocal cords. We've never had what we needed to do that either, and in fact, some muscles, some of the. The Tommy John surgeries and stuff that the muscles that are attached to that have often had problems. So, taking all of these things, this, these knowledges of all these different areas, this multidimensional um, scientific team from McGill University has developed this biomaterial that's tough enough to do these things. It's it's a major advance in regenerative medicine. But what's interesting to us as gardeners is the fact that it's made it's a, it's a hydrogel. Now. What is a hydrogel? Well, a hydrogel is just basically polymers that hold water. In this particular case, it is officially a three-dimensional network of hydrophilic polymers that can swell in water and hold a large amount of water, okay? In the garden, we talk about hydrogels because that's what is in potting soil so that you don't have to water as often. or in in our case here in, in, in the deep south and the deep in the deeper south sometimes it rains so much that actually the polymers are causing us to be overwatered because they float to the top and sit there in water and let water in all the time but they're a good idea and they work very very well in some settings so we don't think about that we don't think about that being anything other than a gardening thing it's a real thing and now luckily thanks to the folks at McGill University where they're, they're testing now the durability in the biomechanics of human vocal cords so perhaps one day when I can't talk anymore I will have a hydrogel repair or maybe you will you never can tell it would be wonderful to be able to have um, have that sort of repair done when it needs when we need it that's not something that we think about because it's not been possible before Ooh, Fittonia Ken that's beautiful Called a nerve plant, that the, it's a it's a lovely plant indoor plant, um, and you've got a whole bunch of stuff. That's a beautiful peperomia, some lovely. I think that's a syringa, but I'm not really sure. It's one of the arrowheads. Beautiful things, lovely, lovely indoor plants. Good collection, all rooting up beautifully. Somebody's going to have some nice gifts. I can bet that that's what he's doing. That looks really neat. I'm not quite that far ahead on mine, Ken. You're embarrassing me. But what a beautiful collection! Lovely, lovely, lovely. Really, really like those. Um, Are these edible? That is, in fact, a prickly pear cactus. And I suggest that you search it up because you're going to be surprised. (laughs) Beautiful flower. Beautiful, beautiful, um, beautiful. Yep, Ken says, yep, those are Christmas gifts. you got some lucky gift recipients, sir. You absolutely do. That's neat. They're beautiful. Beautiful things. I learned this week, we learn something new every day. I learned this week um, some more from the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute folks. I didn't know there was such a thing as a nurdle. That's right, nurdle, N-U-R-D-L-E, nurdle. Hmm. I wouldn't have had to know about this except for a catastrophe. When the fire broke out on a cargo ship in, in May of this year, an estimated 75 billion billion thank you very much pellets of pre-production plastic material unfortunately spilled into the ocean those are nurdles this is what happens before it does it's not plastic yet it's the components that we that we put together to make plastic um, this was 1500 tons of nurdles <laughs> good grief on the coastline many of them were burned up by the fire I'm sure that wasn't great either and unfortunately now the the Cleanup challenge is tremendous. The uh, the the ability is limited in a, to get to it, and it's already threatening some of the marine life. But I did not know what a nurdle was, and now, unfortunately, I do. Um, we 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 have to accept that this is another thing. You know, the ocean's critical to life everywhere, but perhaps nowhere more than Sri Lanka. So it, it's important for them to figure this out. Um, I I certainly would not have. If you had given me this as a term, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I would have thought. But I wouldn't have thought that chronic nurdling is an ongoing, ongoing global trend where things fall out and spill and get lost, and that's where they, because they attract, they're attracted to the coastline, and it's a big problem, of course, for whatever lives there already. Because we don't pre-production plastic is not something anybody really needs more of in their life, I don't think. But the, uh, the good news is that back to the robots, we've now got at least uh, light powered. You know, it's another case where you, you can take the robot there, but the robot's got to work when you're not there. And in this case, it's solar powered by light. These, these are, it's a film that is activated by sunlight that in turn sucks up oil spills. Surely we can have one of these for the nurdles. I'm just saying, it's only a matter of time, all right? So they're going to put these two things together. And the really cool thing about this robotic film is that it's reusable. The, the, it's another case, in, you know, when we try to define what is sustainable, what, what are we doing, what, what can we keep doing, it, it all comes down to how many times do we, can we use this thing before it's worn out, much like the, the rockets that now we can send up that come back. Most of my life, the whole notion was, well, that rocket's gone. There goes that two million or whatever it was at the time. But now that we're able to bring things back, they may cost more to get started, but they're worth more in the long run. So perhaps the light-powered robots will, will help us as well. It's pretty interesting. Um, it, it They say that it can take a lot of stuff. They're promo- reporting in science robotics, and they're promoting the fact that the, they've kind of worked from the notion of steam that powered trains. Okay, steam engines. I'm I'm a fan of steam boilers. I have, you know, have lots of power, lots of real regard because I've seen the power of steam to both heat and move things. So they're putting this similar principle together um, here doing NewsBot, except that the light is the, the power source. Pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. I love the fact that the middle layer of the film holds water, yes, but it also holds nanorods of iron oxide and copper, which in turn convert light energy into heat, which in turn makes the film work. So it's a very cool, very, very cool thing. That's very neat. Oh my goodness, beautiful plants, Ken. Ken's got, now he sent me an air plant to look at. That's lovely. These are some gorgeous, gorgeous cases. And These folks are very, very lucky. The photonia particularly, is an unusual plant. And uh, let's see what is Mike doing? Oh, Mike's got see his, his that the the Diefenbachias, after all have got a few roots. I knew that was going to happen. That's good news. That's very good news. Like it, like it, like it. Archie's in Starkville. Um, you have holes in your broccoli and cabbage. I'm going to guess that it's cabbage worms. And the um, the the best thing to do is to go out turn those things over and look for the worms themselves, which are sometimes only about a half an inch long. That's why you don't see them. And they're the same color as the plant because that's what they've been eating. So you want to do that, but you're also going to want to get some spinosad. Uh, and use that because it is something you can use all through through the season and it will take care of this particular set of critters. Now if you're if you have it on other things that other things are being eaten with holes in them sometimes that's not the cabbage worm but this time of year we have quite a few shall we say brassicas like this um, the 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 broccolis the the brussel sprouts the kale even, and sometimes kohlrabi and cauliflowers and things um, are, are getting, having that, they're being attacked by the same creatures that would like something to eat and keep you from having your plant. So by all means, get out there and control it. You can use a dust or you can use a spray. I find that there's a product called Spinosad Soap, which is in the Natural Guard line. Um, it's made by the folks at Fertilone, so it's available at local independent lawn and garden centers, and it's one of the best products they've ever made. I use it myself and uh, for the, my friends from the fertile world hi y'all <laughs> they know i'm not going to tell you anything i don't actually do they also make a really great horticultural oil by the way So anyway some of the other things that might be going on in uh, your part of the world this time, I don't know, maybe you're digging them up, maybe you're, you're transplanting, um, or maybe you're shopping for shrubs, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, you're admiring what you have. And in the case of the bed here at the radio station building, the Sasanquas have just taken off it is a circle perfect circle of pink flowers and they are just beautiful I do love Sasanquas I I went by I believe I told you all about the one that is as tall as the house near me it's never been pruned in its life and it it, when it's beautiful, it's beautiful. And this year, the, the the pink flowers have aged out to white on about half of it. So it really does look like it's been painted. You know, it's a beautiful, beautiful plant anyway. And this year, it's showing off particularly nicely and giving all of us a big, big show. Um, fun stuff. Uh, I like that. John's John's gone abstract on us, but that's really lovely. This is the water um, and the sky reflected in the water. That's beautiful. I wish that, you know, I always tell you, you have to see it to paint it, to create it, even to plant it. And I can see things to plant, but I can't can't see how to paint. Uh, I enjoyed my experiences with it, but not very much. Joe's in Madison. Um, Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. He loves the newsletter. Don't want to overwater the Christmas cactus. I was just looking at mine today. They're, the buds are opening, and um, you really do need to make sure that the leaves don't dry out while the buds are opening or while they're on. You don't want to flood it, but you do need to give it a little water probably a couple of times a week. If you've only been watering it once a week, this is the time to step it up a little bit because it takes a whole lot of energy for those flowers to open. Um And if you saw mine last year, I have um, a bright pink and I have an apricot yellow. I know that's a little odd, but I like it a whole bunch. Oh, fun. Kevin's got a greenhouse in Oxford. Oh, that's nice. Very, very nice. Looks cozy. There is something about that. If you've never had a greenhouse or had a greenhouse experience, you don't know how wonderful it is to go in where all the ozone is, where all of the, the humid air is, where all of the warmth is on a on a really cold day. Uh, it's a it's a delight. Uh, I'm not I don't follow a whole bunch of groups in, in the the social media world, but I do like garden history and architecture things. I'm sorry, I know nerd. I can't help it. It's it's the way I'm built. But they're, they're just some beautiful glass-topped greenhouses that have brick sides, and I always think to myself when I see that, that we should have just called those solar houses and, and taught people how to use them, because it's so much... There's so much capturing of sunlight and so much intense holding of warmth and those things that they have to have vents in the winter, <laughs> because otherwise it gets too cold. So it's, it's a wonderful thing to have. If, if somebody's giving you a greenhouse, um, you, you should do that. If not, you should lobby for one, <laughs> if you possibly can. I've been in really just fascinated by this whole business of nurdles and coastlines and things today because there's so much research that's coming to us. Smithsonian is letting us know that um, they found something we may or may not want to know. And I I think that sometimes the power of research is that uh, in Nature Communications this month, if we take a look at this, we will see that we have now got more going on out there in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch than we thought. Now, you have heard me probably here speculate on the fact that there is that huge amount of plastic floating around in the ocean, particularly in the Pacific Ocean, but there's also some in the Atlantic, and that eventually that's going to crash into the whole concept of the movie water world and that there would be people anchoring themselves to it, and there would be things that would develop that we wouldn't know about in the ways that all this plastic is unfortunately coming together. Yep, mm-hmm, that's right. Now we are, we're going beyond sea creatures ingesting it and getting entangled in it, we're actually now seeing situations where they are infesting the plastic and living in it because, let's face it, creatures, critters, life on Earth is indomitable. There's no question but that they're going to, you know, some critter is going to try and figure out how to eat this stuff and make it work. Um, neopelagic is the word that they're using to it and pelagic of course if you don't know already refers to the open ocean as opposed to the coast it's the opposite when you have that in scrabble (laughs) remember remember pelagic it'll get you some points but anyway and neo means new and so of course this is newly open ocean newly spaces because these critters used to be coastal critters and now they're able to hook on and live in this crazy plastic environment. The implications here are not just that, well, wouldn't that be great? Something can live there. The implications are, well, will it ever be able to live anywhere else? Or is this where we see the evolution and divergence of a species because some can live in plastic and some cannot? It's it's an interesting thing to worry about and to, to watch. Um, of course, we understand that these gyres – I've always thought was a funny name for them – but anyway, the, the, the Great Pacific Garbage Patches, the, the gyres indicates its shape, of course. But the, it, it's a, a whole thing of the surface currents happen one way, and the rotating currents go the other, and we end up with plastic that can't get away from itself, and it ac- accumulates and congregates. So that's what we have all going on here – 610,000 square miles. Think about it, think about it. My goodness, I hope they can figure out how this is gonna work. Some of this is crazy, just wild. And yeah, if you've never seen Waterworld, probably ought to watch it. Stick around, this is Weekend Gardening.
10: Hey sports fans, this football season, MDOT wants to ensure you get to your game day destination safely. So before you hit the road to watch your favorite team, be sure to download the MDOT Traffic app. The MDOT Traffic app is free for both Apple and Android devices. And remember to drive smart on the way to the game. That means buckling up, obeying the speed limit, and avoiding distracted driving, especially when traveling in work zones. For more information, follow at Mississippi DOT on Facebook and Twitter.
4: Welcome to Mike Drop, the
11: show where Mississippi Farm Bureau President Mike McCormick drops some helpful knowledge. Our members get to take advantage of several of our business partnerships. Today, I want to talk about one in particular, Ford. As a Mississippi Farm Bureau member, you are eligible for $500 bonus cash on a new Ford truck. Take advantage of this and many other great perks and join us today. Visit your Farm Bureau friends and neighbors at your county office or sign up online today at
4: msfb.org. You can bet the farm on it.
0: Hi, break time? I know you. I'm Coligard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. It seems like you take care of yourself.
3: I do. I play tennis.
0: I try to eat well. What about screening for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. Colon cancer is more treatable when it's caught in early stages. Tell me more. Coligard is non-invasive and is used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages.
5: This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer.
0: Most insured patients pay zero dollars. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit requestcoligard.com. I'm on it. Excellent. Green Home Solutions
6: is a proud VIP sponsor of The Handyman Show on Supertalk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Buddy Slowick has the answers to your
8: home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon. I'm Andy Gibson, your Commissioner of Agriculture. This holiday season, support local farmers by shopping the Mississippi Farmers Market for all your holiday meal needs. Fresh produce, meat, milk and cheese, eggs, honey, bread, even flowers for the table. And shop the genuine Mississippi store for the best of everything grown, raised, crafted, and made right here in Mississippi. From food items to jewelry, leather goods, we have your Christmas list covered. The Mississippi Farmers Market, 929 High Street, opens Saturdays 8 to 1.
5: Services may vary. Participating dealer. Subject to applicable law. See dealer for details.
8: Come and listen in to the radio station where the mighty hosts of heaven sing. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Your radio on. If you want to hear the songs of Zion coming from the land of endless spring, get in touch with God. Get in touch with God. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on listen to, to the music, music in, in the, air. the air turn your radio
1: touch god i'm very very happy that you decided to turn on your radio today or to turn on your smartphone into the app or turn on your computer or any of Many other advices, tablets, whatnots—you know, whatever you're watching, listening—and it may not even be live. But guess what? We're still here, even if it's you're listening to the podcast. We appreciate that very, very much. And of course, rebroadcasts and on-demand are always available to you. I—I'm—I'm uh, I'm still sometimes amazed that people will say to me, I didn't know you were still on the radio. I said, you hadn't been listening. Come on. So I know there's a couple of new people here today because I've shamed them. But you don't have to shame anybody if you don't want to. On the other hand, if you know somebody that would like to listen to this broadcast and would like to know more about Garden Mama and gardening in a sustainable way here in the Deep South, by all means, tell them about weekend gardening. All right? All right. I, uh, I I do spend the time in between phone calls and texts and the various and sundry gardening tips that I always want to uh, bring to you. I try to also bring to you the basics, the knowledge, the things that happen in the world of science in a given week because, quite frankly, nobody else is going to do that for you. Um, we also know there are several things that I follow here. One of them is the truth, the absolute truth, that your gut microbiome is one of the most important parts of your body that we never talk about and that has led one of our faithful listeners to call it the gardening takes guts segment and it does you know you got to have a little a little guts to go on here today though it's not people it's gorilla microbiomes that are being studied by the north carolina state university folks so that's interesting and I think what they've learned is something that we now know about ourselves. It differs from individual to individual. And in fact, what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for somebody else, but you should try it. If you're, if you have these, if you, if you feel like you need to talk about your gut biome, talk to your doctor about your gut biome. They'll, they'll listen. Trust me. They've had it. You know, there's you're not going to surprise them. Um, Let's see. There's you don't really have to move it into the dark, Andrea. Now that we're talking about Christmas cactus, now on this text, this is a good one. She says, "I didn't move it into the dark." This is really one of the first years that there've been all kind of articles about how light photoperiod sensitive Christmas cactus are. Yes, they are. That's true. That's in fact why some bloom in some in the same family. There's two different groups of these, but they're in the same basic bag of plants. And they're called orchid cactus for no apparent reason. They're called Christmas cactus. They're called Thanksgiving cactus. They're called Easter cactus based on when they bloom, sort of, you know. there's, But some of that is due to photoperiod. But there are plenty of Christmas cactus that are never treated to a photoperiod that we just depend on the natural occurrence of changing weather to be. More than likely... I would bet that you've been too sweet to this plant, because she says it's got new new growth, it looks great, but no buds. That's usually the result of fertilizing it in August or September and of continuing to water it when it really needed to get a little bit of stress going to develop the flowers. So that's I think that's all. If you'll stress it a little bit, you, you and, and yeah, you don't want to leave a light on it 12 hours a day. You, you want it to have a light when it's forming buds you know, a, a shorter time frame will work for you. But it's not, it, it, it isn't necessary. Cool is also necessary, but it's not the thing that changes it altogether. What changes it altogether is the shifting of the seasons, a little cool weather, and reducing the amount of fertilizer and water that we give to it. It's real important. Okay, real important. Um and I don't think that's ever much as long as the plants are growing, you know, your timing may be off like my Paul the poinsettia is going to be spectacular the middle of January. <laughs> but that's okay. I can enjoy that. I hope you can too. Some good questions have come in today, and I know you'll have some more for me here in uh, this next little bit of time. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven is the SuperTalk call line. We got a couple of hours, and then you have to call. Then you have to contact me on email. <laughs> I did not know that there was peat bogs in Indonesia. I had no idea, but. I do know that wherever they exist, one of the problems we have are that there will be fires in the peat bog that can really deplete it and create big problems for that environment. This this, this particular study from the University of Leeds is um, really pointing sharply at the need to restore these peat bogs in Indonesia because they've lost so much money to the effects of the fires in the peat. And if we would just restore them to where they were healthy and active pea products, not only would we have product to harvest from time to time, but it would also be a much better experience for the environment, the people that live there. The 2015 fires there were the largest in recent years. Economic losses in, in um, United States dollars around $28 billion, which I don't care who you are, that's a lot of money and the between 24 and 2015 it's you know four times that much altogether so this is damage to the growing plantations that are there the places where they grow things to the forestry efforts to the other agriculture efforts it's bad on the co2 emissions it's bad on the historically you know we have health impacts from inhaling too much smoke after a wildfire. So that's another big problem that they have, um, and that that's not good. So they would like us to uh, be concerned about this. The Indonesian government has committed to about $3 billion, um, somewhere from between there and $7 billion, depending on what year and how much money they can come up with. But they're trying to do this um, to restore some of this area. And that would make a big difference for us. We, there's a, a there were just a a, a, a a volcano, of course, in the Canary Islands, but now there's also one in the Pacific that has just churned out massive amounts of gray stuff you know that people don't need to inhale. And so we have enough of that that we can't control. We can control burning peat. We don't have to we don't have to let that happen. It's tough, it's not not any easier than ours as well, you know, our own um, wildfire problems here. It's not an easily solved problem, but it's one that we certainly have to work on. Speaking of working on stuff, if the rain comes as is expected, you're gonna wanna make sure that you are fertilizing all your overwintering annuals, um, whether it's pansies and violas or snapdragons and foxgloves, whoever it is, you're gonna want to give them some fertilizer. I did not fertilize the container that has the one daffodil coming up in it. There are three planted. They're surrounded by pansies. It was supposed to be a gift. Well, now it's not going to be because it's messed itself up. And I'm, I'm sure the the person wouldn't care, but I care. So. I'm looking at it and thinking, how can I fertilize the pansies and not fertilize the daffodil? I don't want to push the daffodil any, so I can either take a little watering can with fertilizer mixed up in the water and go around just the edges of the container, or maybe just a few little pieces of uh, one of the... The pelleted type products, the osmocote type products, just on the outside of the pot. I've created a problem for myself, and I'm I'm hopeful that it's going to to work its way out, without with any luck at all. I just don't know. Well, we will have to, We shall have to see. Neurobiologists are letting us know that uh, we have a gene that actually is the most important for our healthy daily rhythms. Now, you've probably known somebody that couldn't sleep or changed their waking up time and and it didn't please them at all. It wasn't because they got a new job. You know, they had to get up early. It was something like that. But we now have Tango 10. At least they gave this one a name that we can relate to. I need this on a shirt. Tango 10 is absolutely critical for the rhythms of your day. This is involved in the mon- the molecular pathway where your circadian clock actually gets set and then moves, alright? This is the, if you think about the the part of your circadian clock as, as having actual hands, which it doesn't of course, but if you think about it like that, that's where your daily wake and sleep cycles are controlled and this particular gene makes the, the part makes it all work makes it go from one to the other if we are deficient in it if we're lo- losing the control of that then we do lose potentially our sleep cycles recent northwestern university discovery is really helping us to understand how these things are worked now this is not done on humans yet but it is the same sort of mechanism that we experience in our heads with the circadian clock we've we've known I love how they do these um, images and, and give you a picture in your head. We've known about the clock's gears, in other words, that it turns and it changes that, but not so much about how the hands work, how the individual pos- pos- parts of it actually work. What they were trying to figure out is how do you know when to wake up? And I I think that that's important to know. We need We need to understand how our body knows when it's time to wake up. Mine tends to not need an alarm clock, but a lot of people really need an alarm clock because they're not they're no, they don't want to wake up. But Barlan University is all is studying the opposite of this. How do we know when we're tired? This is a PARP1 protein. This is this is like waking up is 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 confusing, but going to sleep is even more confusing for us if we don't have this particular antenna, this particular signal the brain, to tell the brain that it's time to sleep. Um, Someone was talking about the effects of some of those drugs that you think you're, that you take them to go to sleep, but you end up driving to the casino. We've all heard those tales. It's certainly not that common. I know other people that take the same sleep aids and don't have that, by any means, have that reaction. But we understand that sometimes those signals do get turned on or off, and in this case, we need to know when we're tired so that we can go to sleep naturally. Um, sleep pressure, tiredness builds up in your body. But if we don't pay attention to it, and if these particular proteins are not working, we don't know. Um, there's implications here for this kind of sleep deprivation that you get with an infant or with a person that you're taking care of who is ill. But it actually can, the damage can actually accumulate. And continue to accumulate during your waking time, so you're not recovering. That's why we really need the sleep so we can repair our DNA during the sleep. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, I I really I love that. I had no idea that zebrafish could be studied so intently, but they can. And this homeostatic pressure that puts us to that tells us when it's time to go to sleep can be driven or can be left alone and we need it obviously to be driven so that we know when to go to sleep. I'm 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 one of those people that other folks would call boring. I can sleep on airplanes if it's time to sleep. I wake up when I wake up, you know. I'm not I'm, I've never had the uh, teenagers sometimes sleep 12 and 15 hours. I never had that. Old people like me sometimes can't sleep at all. I don't have that. I might not be directly related to stress or anxiety if I can't sleep. And that's a problem because... The National University of Ireland at Galway is letting us know that they've done a global study into the causes of stroke, and one of them is anger, emotional upset, and heavy physical exertion so if you're not sleeping because you have emotional upsets, not only are you damaging your DNA that you're not repairing and making the problem worse, but you're also unfortunately putting yourself in the the literally on the road to having worse health problems well. We can't cure all of these things with gardening, but we can garden a little bit every day. It's another one of those daily rhythm things that keeps us better. If you've got plants in the house, go see about them every day. Groom those pots. Take out the leaves that have fallen. See if anything needs water. Did you remember to fertilize? Take care of them that way. If you have a backyard, go walk around in it. Get outside every day into the the beautiful part of the world that is not the stuff we hold on to inside our heads sometimes. We need to actually focus on things away from us. Um, One in 11 survivors of strokes experienced a period of anger or serious upset in the hour leading up to that. One in 20 had overworked themselves, they had engaged in physical exertion. It's something to think about. They're publishing in European Heart Journal because it's important, and it's something that we all want to prevent. Stroke prevention, of course, is a priority for physicians, for caregivers, for all of us, Uh, and, and it's important to understand how we get there and what happens, and yes, what can trigger it. So when those people have been a little bit overly dramatic and said to you, you better stop that. You're gonna give me a stroke. Well, maybe, maybe you need to listen. Maybe you need to moderate a little bit. Maybe you need to practice a little kindness, or at least a little tolerance. You know, tolerance is not doesn't mean you like something. It just means you understand that everybody's got their own opinion, and that one opinion doesn't usually rule the world in the garden or anyplace else. I tell you what, though, I got a few opinions I want to share with you about what's blooming what I'm going to plant and what I'm not going to plant here on Weekend Gardening.
8: Hey, sports fans, before traveling
9: to your game day destination this football season, be sure to download the MDOT Traffic app to help you reach the game safely. Reach your destination on time by checking ahead for crashes, closures, and construction with the MDOT Traffic app. The M.Traffic Traffic app is available free for both Apple and Android devices. For more information, follow at Mississippi DOT on Facebook and Twitter.
8: stop david cox here omar financial do you have a 401k IRA retirement or cd coming due we can help with market like returns and zero risk call david cox
0: 957-3841-957-3841 957-3841 now
5: I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years
0: I was bloated all the time
12: with daily diarrhea
5: at first I thought it was what I was eating
12: I kept thinking it was stomach issues
5: So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It It was was actually
12: actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food.
5: It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools.
12: And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions, like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease.
5: So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening.
12: But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could Could I I have have EPI?" EPI? Sponsored by AbbVie.
10: No drip roofing in construction. The name says it all. Whatever mother nature can dish out, no drip roofing in construction can take care of it. With no deposits up front required. 601-371-1051. 601-371-1051.
11: Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events. But thanks to two men and a truck, Ridgeland, it doesn't have to be. We have everything you need. A professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience, Monday through Saturday,
1: I don't usually let y'all listen to quite that much of Van Morrison's harmonica music, but I'm in the mood today. Hope you are too. Welcome into weekend gardening. We're not gonna get out of here pretty quick, but we got a few minutes left. I wanted to talk just a little bit more about the prickly pear. Um, Jeff in Hattiesburg was so kind to send that beautiful picture. One of the things that uh, one of my favorite things about it is that the leaves are nopales and the the fruit is tuna, and it it doesn't have anything to do with tuna although i will tell you that the the tuna the the way that beautiful um uh, sushi tuna looks is very much like the way the prickly pear fruit looks when it's cleaned up and ready to have something done with it. So I don't know if that's why or not, but I will also tell you that if you dethorn thorn the nopales, the leaves, you will have one of the strongest, most gelatinous sources of anything in the world. And and all of this, all of these are versatile, versatile food sources. So do a little research, find out what you might like, and um, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be glad you did. I don't have any problem telling you that at all. Um, today is Tyra Banks' birthday. Today is Fred Armisen's birthday. How about that? All you people in your forties and fifties, one more year has gone by for those folks. Um, and I, I think that I think that's interesting. That's you wouldn't you wouldn't put them in the same category of people, but they certainly are both major performers, and uh, that's something I believe we can understand from this particular type of birthday. I've always wondered what it must be like to be the the baby that's the the first Christmas baby and gets dressed up like a stocking, you know, and gets put into all of those machinations, baby's first Christmas and all those things, um, usually are for n- truly newborns, and they both would have been in that circumstance, I think. There are neurons that make us social, my friends, and I'm glad to tell you that we are starting to understand them a little bit more. Um... There are differences between people there are some of us who are social creatures who are not likely to spend a whole lot of time alone not that I mean we spend as much as we need to, but we are people that are interested in being around other people and there are other people who are actually really take a deep sigh of relief when they can be alone and I think that understanding these neurons um we may need to help somebody you know people that can't be alone in emotionally and also people who must emotionally, the hermits of this world, probably could use a little tweaking in their neurons because we'd like people to have some association with the rest of the, the the world. But some of it is simply science, some of it is simply um, the way we're built. But other parts of it are physiological things that can be shifted in adult, in, in, in particularly in adult people, in considering social interaction as a broad topic, I think that could be very important. Very, very, very interesting for us. I am going to be planting some more daffodils. I am going to probably plant um, a few of maybe some little bitty grape hyacinths. Um, I found a bag of bulbs. They look like they might still be intact. I think I might plant those. But but whatever you are planting now, don't push the season. And that's why I tell you, I'm going to tell you what I am planting, and then I'm going to tell you what I'm not. I'm not even thinking about seeding tomatoes and peppers, all right? That's a January event. It's three weeks till January, y'all, so don't push that. Three weeks in a seedling tray is a long time for a plant. However, if you want to start some nasturtium, if you want to start some even petunias, you know, some of the other things that we might, uh, nemesias, some of the other things that we might enjoy in the very early part of spring, This is the time to do that, and those are best raised as little transplants. Larkspur, on the other hand, is the the big seed to plant outdoors at this time of the year, and it does not like to be transplanted. It does not even like to be bothered very much. So that's why you want to plant it in place. Try not to overseed. They do need to stand... Maybe three inches apart, so that they can hold each other up and not be overcrowded, but you don't want this to be a a widely spaced um set of flowers, so sew them close together, but not on top of each other. Does that make sense? I hope so. It's also a good time right now because there is um, some rain coming along in the next several days. This is a good time to think about planting the shrubs, the roses, the ground covers, all the things that you rooted last summer. This is not, sometimes it's very, very cold at this time of the year. We're certainly been unseasonably warm. We're heading back into a more seasonable pattern across the south, but it also is a good time for this kind of transplanting and this kind of establishing. What we would like is whether it's a, a shrub you buy or a tree you dig up or one of these things that you've rooted yourself, it's this is the time that you're hoping to grow more roots before we have to get the shoots on top to put out anything. So that's the main reason for doing this at this time of year between now and February, but I think What we've learned in the Deep South is that February can be a very, very cold, very, very wet month. And so, again, we don't want to dig into soils that are muddy, and we'd like to take advantage of the ones that have had some rain, but not too much. So it's a good place to start. I have uh, several roses that I planted. I did root, and I intended to plant. Unfortunately, they're all in bud now in the rooting containers. I don't know how that happened exactly, except that we've had just enough warm weather to bring that on. So I'm not going to dig them up. I'm going to enjoy them where they are, and then it'll be time to prune them back a little bit, even though they're only six or eight inches tall now. Prune them back a little bit and get them into the plan for planting in February. Um, I was really surprised by the onions and how much they have grown. There's only a little fertilizer there, but the conditions have just been so ideal for them that um, I'm going to have to come up. Going to have to eat like scallion pancakes or do something because there's an awful lot of onions, green onions that are ready to be harvested right away. If you are in the process of trying to, uh, yes, It's a little too late to put out garlic. Uh, That's a good question, but yes, it's a little too late. We would rather do that in September, October even. And now that we're into December, I'm not going to tell you not to, but you'll mostly get greens. And that's not a bad thing, it's just different. It's just a different one, and one you may or may not want to fool with. I do think that this is a really, really smart, smart time to do what I'm doing to my um, rosemary. It has gotten too wet in the winter, too dry in, in, in the summer, and I'm cutting it back, taking what are about half-dried rosemaries and harvesting some in hopes that it can go ahead and get itself growing. Um, Andrew is in Starkville. Is it too early to plant onions in a raised bed? No, you can go ahead and do that. Um, be aware that if, they, if, it, if it gets very, very cold and they're not able to come up, you may want to put a top on them, You'll put a cloche on or, or a cover of some sort, but there's not any reason not to try that anyway. If you're trying to get some of the more vigorous vines to bend to your will, so to speak, wisterias, you know, that sort of stuff, um, this is a good time to do that because it's hard to damage the, the vine when it's this dormant. So give give yourself a chance, but if it won't respond and won't go the way you want it to, try and hit it in the direction you're trying to get it to go. Same is true of really thorny roses. We always want to try to get them to go in a direction, but we may have to understand that they're not going to be they're not going to bend to our will quite yet. It does happen. <laughs> Oh my goodness, thank you. I can't believe we're at the end of the day already here. Thank you all so very much for being part of Weekend Gardening. Um, Yes, you can dig up that limelight hydrangea, Sandra, and replant it anywhere you want to on this very day. As long as your soil's not too wet or dry, go for it. And come back here next week for more Weekend Gardening.
8: Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of TeleSouth Communication.
2: Are you looking for a contractor for your new home or remodel? Go Licensed. Unlicensed contractors may try to convince you that pulling your own permit can save you money. But they may do shoddy work, or in some cases, no work at all, costing you far more in the long run. Protect yourself and your investment by comparing estimates from three licensed contractors. Remember, go licensed. For more information, contact the Mississippi State Board of Contractors at msboc.us.
10: Why is agriculture so important to the Mississippi
9: Farm Bureau Federation?